Hello and welcome to the Forums podcast for Monday the 26th of September. It's the end of the month, people. Just think, this weekend is the beginning of October. Where has 2016 gone? I know a few celebrities who wanted 2016 to be over. Uh, anyway, joining me on this edition, our assistant editor, Steve Withers. There's no way to get hurt in here. Just enjoy yourself. News editor, Mark Hodgkinson. Doesn't anything work around here? Audio reviewer, Ed Selly. We don't know exactly how they work. And special guest star, Mark Borright. Why don't you make me shut up? Uh, okay, welcome back to the podcast. Like we say, it, it, it is the end of the month, so we're doing our monthly roundup thing. However, like we say, end of the month, and I've yet to go to the cinema, folks. So I think I think the movie section is going to be a bit thin this week, Steve. Movie of the month is going to be very interesting. Um, it is just a bit thin, yeah. I, I mean, you've hardly been this year, haven't you? I oh, know, actually. You know what? I've only been once, so movie of the month is going to win by default. <laughs> How much are you paying per month for that ticket? I just cancelled Laura's because she was going even less than I was. Have you actually worked out how many months you've actually got your money's worth? Well, I'm still up from the first month because the first month I absolutely blitzed it. And I'd, I'd, it would have cost me probably about 70 or 80 quid adding it all up in So that's in justification for not going <laughs> then but, for the rest of the year. I, well, no, it, well, actually... It all evens out, doesn't it? So Actually, I've been looking at stuff and nothing's really making me want to get up and make the effort to go, to be honest, if I'm being really honest a bit magnificent seven will probably get me there next next week maybe next tuesday i'll go for that because that's quite tempting it's getting good reviews and um uh, it looks all right and i haven't seen the original so i've got nine to it's got nine to live up to basically how, could, how do you manage to avoid not seeing the magnificent seven yeah. it's on tv every year that's the same reason i managed to avoid seeing jaws you know and all sorts of other films you know certain films it's just like oh i'll get around to that or mm, not right now or all yeah, the rest of it yeah. and it just happens yeah, it's, it's on the to-do list. Steve. <laughs> I mean, just because you have no discernible life, Steve, and you've seen everything, you know, don't judge us by your standards, mate. I got, I got somebody who spends their entire life listening to vinyl has just told me I've got no discernible life. Is that At the moment, I'm achingly <laughs> hip. Throwing, and I don't mean just because I ache. I mean, I am achingly hip, so can <laughs> I've not got an aching hip. You <laughs> by accident, Ed. That's not by design. <laughs> I'm going to take, uh, take it however it comes, mate. Don't worry. Anyway... <laughs> Before we all fall out at the start, uh, let's move on to hardware news. Well, actually, no, let's do the competitions first. We always do competitions. Uh, eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Uh, Mr. Hodge, tell us what we can win. You can currently win uh, Rotor Petition on Blu-ray, and that's open to all members until the 27th of September. Um, we've still got the Stellier's Audio Mega Giveaway going on, and that's first prize of a ML30 HD amp. Uh, which is a hybrid valve thing. Uh, second prize is NS3 active speakers with Bluetooth. And the third prize is also active speakers with Bluetooth, but that's the NS1. And the speakers come in a choice of seven colours, and that's open to all members and closes 30th of September. And finally, we've got the AK Racing Gaming Chair, also open to all members till the 30th of September. Well done. And I'm not going to ask you about previous competition winners because I was listening there. I've got all the dates. So next week's podcast is going to be full of them. Loads of them next week. Loads of them. So there you go. Uh, right, let's move on to hardware news then. And DTS, the consumer arm of DTS, because DTS Cinema no longer exists. It was bought up and is now DataSat. Uh, so DTS Consumer have been bought by another company, Steve. Yeah, Tessera Technologies, who I have to admit I'm not personally familiar with, but they have bought DTS uh, for $850 million in cash, apparently. Oh, nice, so, nice um, to have that amount of cash lying around. <laughs> I would love to have that amount of cash knocking around. Um, yes, apparently the Tesla technology was set up by three IBM um, employees originally and are experts in uh, video processing and also chip manufacture. So it looks like it's quite a good marriage because they're bringing in, DTS obviously bringing in the audio side of things into what's already a, a video setup. So it could um, result in some very interesting stuff going forward. It, it is interesting though because obviously DTS, um, I mean, Dolby and DTS have been sort of head to head in the last year or so. When it comes to immersive audio, um, I'd say obviously Dolby were first to, to market with Atmos. DTSX came a bit later, a lot later actually than was originally planned. Um, and so far, at least, Dolby certainly seemed to be the one in the lead. They've got by far the most titles using Dolby Atmos. Um, there's only about 15 to 20 DTSX titles available. So um, definitely uh, DTS seem to be um, playing catch up. This might help, I guess, if they get a big injection of cash, um, or it might mean they go in another direction. Who knows? But uh, it certainly is interesting news. 
Yeah. Um, I looked at Tessera uh, briefly just before we started the podcast, and they, they, as you say, they've got they do uh, imaging technologies and semiconductor design, and um, they're involved with HDR and VR, which I suspect the latter of which is probably at the bottom of all this. I reckon VR is at the bottom of this because it seems to be at the bottom of everything at the minute. Yeah, interesting. Um, interesting though it comes on the back of uh, some serious investment into aura technologies as well in, in the cinema realm uh, in terms of you know immersive audio and so on so um, it seems like Dolby have got the got the runner and the rest are, are now looking to catch up or are DTS finished with it and are they going to be looking at new technologies and not that interested in the immersive side because they no longer have the cinema company Steve so they don't although they were talking about re-entering the cinema uh realm uh, with GTSX when that was launched, um, what was that, a year and a half ago now? Um, but that doesn't seem to have, not much needs to have happened there, so uh, so maybe they will. I mean, I mean, there's talk about um, Tesla in the press announcement, we're talking about automotive technology and uh, other areas, so maybe they're going to be moving it into different areas and away from, you know, home cinema. Uh, I mean, it's, I've got to say that if you do look at uh, sort of domestic uh, audio delivery, um, with the exception of Blu-ray itself, uh, Dolby do have it pretty much sewn up, don't they? I mean, in terms of streaming, it seems Dolby is the de facto format uh, for audio delivery. Obviously, it was on DVD. Um, and it's certainly got a head start as far as Ultra HD Blu-ray goes. So it does seem as though Dolby is becoming the dominant um, player in terms of audio, domestic uh, audio formats. Um, and maybe um, DTS will take a change of direction. Who knows? It's, I've been listening to that. I haven't really looked at the Tessera website in the same level of detail as uh, some of the as, as some of you appear to have done. It, I, I just don't know. I mean, how? Firstly, um, I, I mean, how do we know how lucrative it is as a going concern? Or you know, does that? Well, they've got eight hundred and fifty million in cash. No, I mean, but the actual de- de- no Tessera. Yeah, that's if you've got that in your in your petty cash. Yeah, well, the DTS, it's all licensing, Ed. So um, almost every Blu-ray uh, that is released, there'll be licensing to pay on that because it's all dot, uh, DTS on there. And of course, every bit of uh, <laughs> consumer electronics that wants to be completely compatible has to pay the licensing to have DTS mm. and Dolby on it as well quite interesting that, that recently Samsung have not paid for the licensing on a couple of their sound bars, uh, mainly the Dolby Atmos one. Uh, they didn't pay the licensing for, for DTS playback on that, so that's quite interesting. Um, well, this is the thing, I mean, because, we, you know, yes, there's there, as it stands, there are some significant license, licensing revenues, but DTS has made no inroads into the streaming services. Um, I'm not 100% sure they've ever shown a huge amount of... Um, willingness to get involved into in in into the gaming industry and so on and so forth i mean it's an open-ended thing i just don't i don't know what their pros their long-term prospects are i mean you just look at dolby and it's perhaps that they're doing less immediately exciting things for from a you know a heavy duty cinephile perspective but they've just got more going on in terms of just their long-term yeah the, penetration into the industry. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of things that Dolby... I mean, I was quite impressed with Dolby's stand last year. Um, I don't remember going to the DTS one. I don't think they did have one, did they, no. Steve? No, you absolutely um, So CES last year, I mean, it was really quite impressive. I mean, they had um, different areas of their... It was, it was basically... Well, it was basically a ballroom that it was in and it had different areas yeah. of different technologies. But uh, AC4 blew me away. <laughs> you know, this is a low bandwidth audio... Um, for TV distribution, uh, audio distribution, but you could change your commentator if it was sports, um, change languages, and it kept the the same mix um, of atmosphere. It just changed the the voices. Um, it also did Atmos, and it did Atmos really quite convincingly with uh, uh, with just the two speakers, you know, from yeah. the TV. And and so you know, Dolby are investing a lot of money into these technologies. They're thinking about solutions to you know everyday problems, whereas DTS. Apart from being on Blu-ray and, and having won that ball, haven't done really that much. If they're relying on Blu-ray as a revenue source, they're in trouble because, I mean, like you just said, Phil, I mean, in terms of um, streaming delivery, I think Adobe are way ahead of the game. I think they've got that sewn up. Um, it looks like on Ultra HD Blu-ray, Atmos is becoming the de facto format. Um, and obviously, disc sales are dropping. So, and as you mentioned also, uh, some manufacturers, not just Samsung, I noticed a few others as well, have been dropping DTS quietly from a lot of their products because apparently they're asking for too much in terms of uh, uh, licensing fees. So, you know, I think DTS needs to be careful here because, it, you know, 
if if they're relying on Blu-ray sales, that's going to that's going to die off eventually. And and what are they left with? So. Well, you, you we can view this in a number of ways, can't we? It's possible that opportunistically they've decided that for eight hundred million dollars they can see I don't know a sensible fifteen twenty percent return for um if uh, over over a couple of years and then the company's dried and dead that's it put it in the junk bonds or they are going to significantly repurpose it or at the very least do try and do something a bit different because it does look it just doesn't look chronologically like they're in a position now to take the fight to dolby across lots of these future platforms so this is where uh, tesla comes in because they are obviously the imaging side you've got dolby vision are we going to see dts vision are we going to see their versions of this and, and it's, is it going to be more than audio it's just what we need isn't it <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing like a good format war <laughs> Depends what you want it for, doesn't it? But yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that, that's interesting news. We'll keep an eye on that one and see how it develops. I mean, it's, it doesn't look like this deal is going to go through until end of quarter four, probably quarter one next year. So be interesting to see where that one leads us. Right, moving on, there was a, a really quite an interesting product launch, which um, we've all been waiting on, and that was Oppo. And it was only 10 minutes along the road from you, Steve. So it made a change from eight hours traveling and staying in hotels and all the rest of it. You just jumped in your... Uh, your lime green um, Audi and made your way over to Bath Rugby. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I, more, more like this, please. Yeah, they were using Farley House, which is Bath's um, state-of-the-art training facility, about 10 minutes from where I live. And because Oppo are now sponsors, shirt sponsors of Bath Rugby, that's the main reason they were using that. But it's great because I just had a nip around the, around the corner to this launch event. And uh, yeah, they were launching the UDP 203. Now, everyone knew that Oppo were working on an Ultra HD Blu-ray player. That wasn't a secret that they, they said that publicly um but i think everyone expected it to be launched at ces i don't think we were expecting it to be quite so soon but obviously last week someone was walking across the floor at cedia with one of them and people saw it and started taking pictures and so the, the news leaked um unfortunately and they had this press uh, press launch arranged for for this week or last week rather when we um we did the actual press launch and uh yeah they they launched the udp 203 now there will be another player coming as well but not till probably early next year i think maybe late this year early next year they said they weren't quite sure when it was going to be launched but if you look at their previous launch history they usually do two players um previously been like a 93 and 95 or a 103 and a 105 so if i was a betting man i'd say we get we get the 105 Sorry, the 203, and we're going to get the 205 as well. But at the moment, they're just launching the UDP 203, which looks quite similar in terms of its basic design to the existing 103 Blu-ray player. But obviously, this is an Ultra HD Blu-ray player. Um, it supports HDR10 out of the box. It has a brand new custom-designed chipset. They were saying that all the previous players that have been released so far uh, have used off-the-shelf, you know, TV uh, 4K decoders and you know computer optical drives but they've custom designed their player from scratch which is why it's always taken a bit longer um, um the, the new um system on chip was developed with mediatek uh, and it is capable of doing dolby vision as well i mean now i'm not saying it's, it won't have dolby vision out of the box that's obviously dependent on oppo and dolby agreeing things and certifying etc so that's still in, in the pipeline but there's no reason why it couldn't do it is, is the important thing to say here it certainly can do it technically if they want to uh, in terms of uh, the uh, layout, so the front's pretty similar to the 103. You've got some buttons on the right, um, you know, display in the middle, disc tray in the middle. Around the back, it's also quite a similar layout. There's uh, two HDMI outputs, one HDMI 2.0a, 1.1.4. For people that don't have AVRs that support HDR, etc. There's also uh, an HDMI 2.0 input as well. And then there's um, 7.1 channel analog outputs. There's optical, there's coaxial, uh, there's USB, etc. So it's, yeah, it's fully equipped. Um, and they've given the menu system a redesign, which is long overdue in, fa in fairness for the nice new homepage. It looked pretty cool. Uh, and I mean, we got a demo watching some clips from um, Deadpool and it looked really good. I mean, you know, I think uh, as a personal fan of Oppo, I like that their approach to the players. I think they're well, I mean, yes, they're more expensive. I mean, they're talking about a price of 599 for this player, which is the same price as the UB900 that Panasonic makes. So, you know, that seems realistic to me. I, I'm, that's about what I would have expected. Um, it's going to be coming out before the end of the year, so probably around November time. And uh, yeah, I mean they're, they're well built. They look the business. You know they're nice and solid. I mean even the UB nine hundred, you know it's 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 small. It's it's a full width player, but it's half the depth and it's kind of light and plasticky. This looked like a proper player. You know, well built, solid. 
you know, you get your money's worth. And um, the remote control, although similar in design to the previous remotes, now um, when you pick it up, it lights up automatically. And it had an interesting little HDR button on it where you can turn HDR on and off so you can compare the image if you want to. What they can't confirm yet is how, because obviously if your display doesn't support HDR, it will automatically convert from HDR to SDR. But what they wouldn't confirm yet is exactly how they do that. So in other words, will it just be SDR but plus 2020 and 10-bit? Or will it be doing what the Panasonic does, which is go from HDR to SDR. Well, my understanding was that, that the players should always um, talk to the device that it's plugged into via the EDID, and if it can accept Rec 2020, but it's not HDR, it would send that. That's how I've always understood it, but it seems like with everything else, <laughs> one company doesn't trust the other company, so none of this functionality that's, that should be working what actually works. Yeah, that's certainly not the case with the UB900, which does do, do everything at Rec 709 and 8-bit if it isn't an HDR TV. It also, um, this is another interesting thing, is the UB900 outputs everything, if, you're, if you are using it with an HDR display, outputs at 12-bit. And some people have had issues with uh, older uh, HDR-compatible TVs. The Oppo will, out, will output at either 8, 10, or 12-bit, depending on what you want to do. So you've got more uh, flexibility there, at least. Um yeah, you know, I'm I'm excited. You know, it's uh, it's a great looking player. I love Oppo. I think they did, they've got a fantastic after sales service. They're a really good company, and, and their products have been great in my experience with their players. The Blu-ray players have been nothing but good. So, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing. Obviously, also, it's, you know, it's got uh, SACD playback, DVD audio as well, 3D of course. So it's a good, it does everything. It's a full universal player with Ultra HD Blu-ray and HDR support. So you know, yeah, I mean, what, we, one area one area where they really did uh, you know hit the market running was with uh, DVD and their upscaling engines to get uh, DVD up to HD TVs. You know, back in the day when we had HD TVs and nothing to watch on them. Um, so they certainly made a name for themselves back then, and and they've gone from strength to strength from that. Um, still strange that some some major publications out there still don't actually get them um, and give them three star reviews, and you're thinking. Sorry, are we looking at the same product here? Yeah. What's yeah. more bizarre is that they then go on to give products which uh, are clearly derivations of the same MediaTek solution exhaustively developed by Oppo, quite strong reviews. Uh, that's that's where things get most amusing. But you know, <laughs> that's just me. I mean, yeah. obviously, this is the other sort of unspoken thing about the arrival and existence of this player. It does open the door to a number of smaller manufacturers being able to work with Oppo to get units of their own out the door. In an absolute sense, in performance terms, they're unlikely to be any different in, in terms of the image that they throw onto the screen. But it does mean that um, they can be partnered with uh, different audio solutions and, and other bits and bobs. It just, if nothing else, it serves to broaden out what at the moment is quite a sort of condensed market so you know we should be all pretty pleased that this thing exists and that it, it's it's going ahead nice to see actually brushed metal i mean that that's not a brushed metal effect that is actually metal that's been brushed that's a full brushed aluminium front plate front face plate with a full metal construction i mean it's a proper solid well-made very yeah, we quiet need, we need nicely to get the engineered tray and everything we need to get away from the plastic the plasticness of of things lately. Although we were talking yesterday about the Samsung player, uh, Steve, and uh, we've come to the conclusion of after using them for many months um, that actually it's it's a really solid little player. Um, the design kind of uh, either like it or you don't like it, but in terms of functionality and so on, it just works and it's absolutely superb um, mm -hmm. for the money. And that was on launch, so you can pick it up a lot cheaper now. So it, yeah. it's still an absolutely cracking player. Um, but a bit cheap in terms of the materials that has been used and so on, and and rightly so, people have, have thrown, you know, accusations at being cutting corners and all the rest. And all. but it's nice to see a nice solid player, even if it makes no difference whatsoever to performance. It's just nice to have something solidly built. Yeah. I think I think we, coming from where we come from in our history, um, it, you know, I've still got an old Denon DVD player here, and it's built like a bloody tank. Mm -hmm. you know, but you love well, it for, for, in, because of that. Unfortunately, I mean, Blu-ray. DVD is the last last format, video format, really, where true Battleship players existed. Some fairly hefty Blu-ray players existed. But the moment that it became clear that the products, even when they were high-end, had a shelf life of no longer than the sh than the, the budget ones, it, it, it unfortunately sort of defeats that. I think Oppo have been quite clever that they've built it substantially without 
you know, without going into the sort of Japanese battleship school of, you know, compartmented, copper-plated everything design, because with the best will in the world, it's just unfortunately not worth the effort. Yeah, it's it's kind of like, um, you know, you'll relate to this, Ed, it's kind of like the old uh, muscle car analogy, you know, yeah. there's absolutely no need nowadays with the fuel economy and everything else that you can get um, to have a product like that, yet people will still spend hundreds of thousands to get a muscle car from the 50s or the 60s because you know it's no longer done but it was it, it was how it was done back in the day and i think back to the old av re- receivers like the x1 and the Susano from pioneer and you know the big massive avrs you remember them yeah. steve and yeah. we used to you know these were things that we used to last after um uh, but now there's i mean there's no need you know you could get class d amplification into your box and so on and, and make it the same size as this oppo player um you know, the technology exists to do that, but there's just something about having a nice, big, solid bit of equipment. Yeah, oh, yeah. There's nothing more satisfying than a nice, smooth, silent tray opening and closing and all this sort of stuff. That's great. Oh, I don't know. Uh, trays, meh, I know people get excited about them. It, I, I don't want to go into innuendo here, so I'm not going to use the K word. It's all about controls, the weight of controls, the, the debounce on buttons and things like that. Certain manufacturers just know implicitly and the clever the really very best at their game have the wherewithal to actually do that at less expensive price points yeah well. i mean there's, there's nothing like a nice knob to play with is there well absolutely you know i'm you went there i was i was <laughs> strenuously trying to stay on the uh, in all seriousness though that the um i think the last really nice knob that i had to play with was the yamaha av processor um yeah it was absolutely stunning the, the the way just the engineering behind it. It was just why can't everything just be like that? It was just so intuitive. You didn't have to turn it all the way around to turn it up. You just turned it ever so slightly, and oh, it was just really nice to use. Oh, did you ever? Um, if we were onto this, did you ever play about with any of the Tact or Lingdorf stuff that had a gyro, no. but it had a a, a sensor based gyro stabilized volume control so it was perfectly balanced it would spin like a top if you just biffed it and it was able to sense the force that you applied to it and then gear the volume ramp upwards or downwards accordingly yeah. to how quickly you turn the volume it was utterly pointless but just wonderful I Br- mean, brilliant just- engineering Perfect. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's the Oppo uh, USD <laughs> Blu-ray player. Um, we're expecting it around about November to hit the shop. We might get the review samples a little bit quicker than that. Maybe in the next four, four or five weeks, we might have um, yeah. one in for review. Um, should it go to Steve because he's declared his love for Oppo? Or yes. more to the point, like ten minutes from the PR company, <laughs> <laughs> you can just drive it round. <laughs> no, no, I'm always uh, impartial. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> At the same time, it would be a lie to say you don't have personal favourites, wouldn't it? I mean, this is true. Unrealistic. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, I wasn't one of them out of the three brothers. (laughs) So I was the youngest that gets everything, isn't it? Anyway, right, moving on. I'm going to bypass the TV because we've had quite a bit of Steve. So we're going to go to Sound Advice next. And uh, turntables, Ed, uh, your new Sound Advice article is out this week. It's all about turntables. And which one is the best for me? Uh, you'll be pleased to know that once again, I start it with the proviso, are you really sure about this? Mr. Botwright will be delighted that once again, like like someone who's already really badly into crystal meth, I'm going, don't <laughs> go near the crystal meth. But no, uh, this piece is incredibly simple in premise. It covers the various options available to you in terms of buying a record player. And what I'm trying to do, and I, hopefully I've succeeded in doing, is... Basically, you need to look at what you expect to get out of vinyl playback and choose a product accordingly. Because if you're planning on making a long-term go of it and taking it seriously and you know using it long after the bubble has burst and it ceased to be cool and you're back you know, with the other people that look like they're on the sex offenders register and all the rest of it, then you, ne- you need to make sure that you buy a, a reasonable player from the outset. Similarly... If you've just discovered a stack of old 45s in a relative's loft and all you want to do is have a quick nostalgic listen to them, there's no point dropping, you know, 600 to a thousand pounds on a record player to do that. If you're just going to listen to them once and the chances are that they're already played to death by, you know, similarly all in one compact players from back when they were new there's no point so this runs through your various options and it it sort of works out 
where you should be looking in terms of in, in terms of your product so hopefully once again it is of use to you uh please feel free to feedback in the comments and 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 just work out you know hopefully it just ensures that you spend the right amount of money and get the right product to do what you actually want to do with it so you know i hope that's of use to you and uh, as i say please feel free to ask questions in the comments and, and all sorts of similar things. And if anybody out there has got a, a near-perfect SL1200 or 1210, then get in touch with me, please. <laughs> I'm really struggling to find one now, especially, um, especially with a lid that isn't scratched to hell. You know, well, that's really difficult. You do know, I mean, the, 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 the um, CAD drawing for the lid exists online. You could have someone make another one up for you. I'm, I'm not that devoted, Ed. I just, I just want somebody to say, yeah, I've got one here, you can have it. Well, no, but it would be cheaper to buy a decent 1200 with a shot lid or no lid and then just have the lid made up than to try and find both good turntable with excellent lid. That will be expensive and difficult. It's just just about, uh, you know, extension of effort, basically. I'm a master at conserving effort. Maybe I should just give, give you my money and you go and find one for me, Ed. Maybe Joking aside, if you genuinely want want <laughs> want to try something like that, we can do something like that. But equally, there you go. Um, for members, he has offered it. So Ed's turntable yeah, service. But equally, <laughs> we've got lined up. Um, we're going to hopefully have a look at not one but two Pioneer Pro Audio decks. One of which, basically, <laughs> other than not having SL twelve hundred written on the front of it, appears <laughs> to be so <laughs> close to the uh, to, to to the icon as to be indistinguishable. Well, so, there there is a um, you have to excuse the guy presenting it because he really is a gangster DJ type. But um, there is a video on, U- on YouTube which has uh, the Pioneer. I think it's the thousand, not the five hundred. Yeah. Uh, next to an SL twelve ten, and um, he's going back- backwards and forwards, just sitting next to each other, and they are identical. Yeah, I mean, if you are looking to a hot tip for something which is going to get more and more expensive because there really will never be any more of them, um, is the Vestax PDX two thousand because Vestax went under, and in certain ways the PDX two thousand was, if you like, it was a generation on from the SL twelve hundred. It's not the icon, but it's the better deck. So you know, see how that goes. So there you go. Um, talking about eight-year-old technology, and it still goes. I mean, we're talking about there SL twelve hundred. That was a turntable that was released in nineteen seventy-six in yeah. the Mark II guys, and it carried on all the way through till uh, till the kill technics off the first time. So it is an icon. Right. Anyway, moving on. Uh, let's go to Cutting Edge TV and uh, the KS eight thousand from Samsung. Steve's going to be quick with this because I think he's really your favourite with Samsung this year now. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yes, it's it's the KS8000, so it's their flat, basically their flat flagship TV this year because the KS9500 is only available in a curved version. Uh, it's, it's essentially identical to the KS8, um, sorry, the, the KS9000, but obviously it's flat. Uh, it's got the same 360-degree design. It's got the new remote. It's got the new platform, Tizen platform with the um, source detection where it um, sets up your know, sources for you and you can use the remote as a universal controller. Um, it's the Ultra HD Premium Alliance certified. It's uh, got HDR10, of course, a wider color gamut. I measured it at seventy uh, percent uh, of Brett twenty twenty, and it's you know it's it's a classic uh, Samsung TV. It's really really good and really solid performer. And you know my only complaint, I mean, because it's got like a twenty one millisecond input lag. So if you're a gamer, it's a it's a no brainer. You know, if you're looking for a really good TV for gaming, I think the Samsungs this year are are got to be top of your list in terms of input lag. Um, obviously, no three D. So if you're a fan of three D. That's an issue, but uh, if you're not bothered, then really my only complaint was that this TV, and this is unusual because all the other Samsungs I've reviewed this year have all been really good out of the box. This one has a bit too much blue in the uh, grayscale. Um, easy to correct with, with, the, with the white balance control and the color accuracy in terms of the auto uh, color space setting, really, really good in terms of its tracking at different saturation points and also DCI-P3 within Rec 2020. So that was my only one complaint. Otherwise, absolutely fantastic TV. Um, yes, it's edge lit, so it's not ideal for uh, HDR content you will get occasionally you know, a bit of um, bright edges that's also particularly on letterbox films um, clearly the KS9500 with its full array back light is, is superior in that respect but otherwise you know for an all round TV you can't go wrong uh, and obviously if you don't like curves and I'm not a big fan of curves myself this would be your your, your option or your main choice for, uh, for a higher end um, HDR TV uh, if you're a bit tight on budget the, the KS7000 is almost as good and a lot cheaper. 
So certainly, you know, that, that was well-deserving of a Best Buy badge. But uh, if you're looking for a higher-end Samsung model, then the KS8000 is, is worth looking at, and it's highly recommended. Is that um, input lag across all modes? Because I know some people have been quite confused about certain TVs putting in a game mode, and some TVs even then disable HDR in the in the game mode. So Well, the on the Samsungs, basically, there's a, you go into a separate thing called... Uh, picture view mode and you turn on game mode what it essentially does is just turn off all the processing what it does with hdr i don't really know yet and that's an interesting question mark because obviously we're testing um sdr input lag effectively at the moment and, and i have been talking with leo bondar who talks who sorry talking with leo bondar who, who makes the input lag tester that we we use to say you know is there a, are they th looking at a way of creating an, an hdr signal so you can test the input lag with an HDR source as well. Because at the moment, you could use the fake HDR mode, but obviously that's using processing and therefore will add input lag. It's not real HDR. Um, so there's an interesting question mark to which I don't really know the answer yet. Fair enough. Oh, cheer up, Ed. <laughs> no, I'm not, sorry, I'm all right. I'm, uh, we, we just uh, talked about records 10 minutes ago. You should, the adrenaline should still be there in no, your system. I'm, I'm fine, I'm fine. <laughs> sorry, I'm a bit croaky, but I'm, I'm, you know, my disposition is good. I'm alert. I'm watching a courier desperately trying to deliver something to the house opposite and hoping he isn't coming anywhere near me. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah, it's a good question, that one, Mr. Right, and hopefully we're going to have some answers um, before the end of the year, anyway. Yeah, I mean, obviously, HDR gaming is going to be a big thing going forward. Um, I can't see why, you know, it, it would add a lot to the input lag. Essentially, you know, it, you know, there's not any processing being done by the TV. It's just basically taking the signal and outputting it. So it shouldn't make a massive difference. Um, but I mean, certainly if you're looking for a, a TV for gaming, 21 milliseconds, that's the lowest of any TV we've measured uh, ever, I think, unless it's a dedicated gaming monitor. Yeah. Um, that's, that's really, really low. So if you're a gamer, and, and that's an important factor for you, then, then Samsung's definitely the TVs to beat this year in terms of input lag. Um, anyway, let's move things on. Like we say, it's the end of the month. Uh, so, Mark, what is the game of the month? Right. Well, um, th there's not a great deal out in September. Where it's kind of uh, everyone's waiting for the big releases in the kind of run up to Christmas. But it is the month for kind of FIFA and Pro Evolution. And other than that, release schedule is largely kind of filled out with re-releases things like bioshock collection and dead rising triple pack but um i'd say if you're an xbox one gamer um the witness is a fantastic game that's just arrived for that format and uh even though older obviously for ps4 and pc gamers but that is well worth picking up a fantastic puzzle game but last night i played what's probably my game of the month which is very small um independent game uh, Virginia it's a narrative driven title it only lasts a, a couple of hours you know you might stretch it out to three at the most but it's um, it's run up my street in terms of being uh, very much cinematic in that walking simulator mold where people will question is it a game is it not um, very cheap on on PlayStation Network now about seven pounds 20 I think it is um, but really interesting in, in as much as it's kind of a mystery. It's got very much, um, you can see the influence of 90s TV, stuff like Twin Peaks, um, lots of strange little trippy moments. Um, and it, it's just, it's very cinematic in, in the style that it uses, nice little editing techniques, nice little jump cuts. And the score is phenomenal. Um, it manages to, to create, through the use of, very little interaction and very little of what you might call traditional gamey moments. It manages to keep a really solid pacing to it. Um, it as I say, it, it's low interaction, very much in the, the press X to do something style and just press forward on a thumbstick. But it's it's great use of kind of cinematography in a, in a game. If you like something that's got good artistic framing and things like that and just is going to explore different themes and, and symbolism and, and doesn't really explain too much so it leaves you wanting to play a second time then that is well worth picking up good stuff so that one again was called virginia and what and it, it's it's by a a, a a small british um development team so it's well worth supporting as well okay and what format was that that was on that's out on uh xbox one playstation 4 and steam so whatever you're on you can buy it 
Excellent. So let's move on. Uh, Ed gave us his uh, playlists uh, of the month last week. Uh, this week, it's album of the month on any format and obviously his vinyl of the month. Yes. Um, there's actually some good albums out this month. Uh, it's the inverse of computer games. Uh, it's been, been been a good month. Uh, I don't think it's possible to please everybody all the time with these things, but I am going, after some consideration, with um, the uh, curiously named, uh, well, I say curiously named, it makes sense in terms of the context of the band name. It's the latest album from Wilco, and it's called Schmilco, uh, and it features a cover which is, mm, yeah, interesting. Uh, Wilco's one of those bands, they've been around for donkey's years. This is uh, their 10th or 11th album, and I'll be completely honest, I don't like all of them. Uh, I mean, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot's awesome. Uh, AM, the very first album, is a really good listen as well. This is just a lovely, well-thought-out, well-written, and really engaging listen. Um, It's on all of the major streaming services. You can buy it on CD, if you remember then. You can buy it on pink vinyl as well, if the fancy takes you. It's one of those albums where you could put it on in the background whilst you try and do some work and after a while you actually sort of think actually this is pulling me in it's 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 growing on me it doesn't immediately leap out the speakers at you it just sort of pulls you in and i've really really enjoyed listening to it um if uh, the idea of increasingly sort of middle-aged men with guitars doesn't blow your blow your frock up um i confess it's not necessarily my thing um but you wouldn't mind if that's really not your thing. Uh, Usher, who's been around for a really worryingly long time now, he's released another album, and he is. Uh, someone else has pointed this out. I take no credit for it. He's slowly metamorphosizing into Marvin Gaye, and it's it's quite it's quite a good listen. So if, if without transvestitism. Uh, well, I, I can't speak for his personal life. No photos of him exist doing that. And hopefully he's got a slightly more constructive relationship with his father. His father. <laughs> but, but no, nonetheless, that's supposed to be another. Uh, that I've only listened to that very briefly um, whilst just checking it out for, for this. But uh, as I say, Schmilko would be my album of the month. But if you really can't stomach memory guitars, have a listen to the new Usher effort. Both of those are very good and they're available across multiple formats. Excellent stuff. Yeah, well, this is um, this is a bit different. This is actually not out for a little bit yet, but it's now available to pre-order. There is a band beloved of sort of goths and and the other like and 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 people of that ilk, people fond of black. They're called Dead Can Dance, and they don't really sit happily in any perfect classification of of a band. But they are a good listen and they've produced some cracking songs. Now, many years ago, about sort of 92, 93 time, they did a live performance that was recorded and an album was released to go with it called Towards the Within. And it is, without exaggeration, one of the very finest live recordings I've ever heard. But I mean, it really is right up there, top top two or three. Um, and the vinyl release... Back in, you know, we, we, we entering the, the sort of dark period for vinyl, the vinyl release was small. Um, uh, they sold through very quickly. It became a fairly legendary record. Um, I confess that I've had moments looking at Discogs, wondering if I can bring myself to pay 100, 120 quid for a slightly tatty example from somewhere like Greece or Slovakia. Um, and I've, I've always bottled it out. Thankfully, after a mere 20 years of waiting, um, it's being repressed. And what's more, it's being repressed by a small label called 4AD, who are renowned for the quality of the work that they do with vinyl. And uh, yeah, I was I was straight on there. No, no, mine is pre-ordered. It, it, it will it will turn up on the day of release. Um and uh, the great thing is, obviously, if you're a normal person, you can listen to Towards Within on most streaming services. You can even pick up a CD for not a huge amount of money. But it really is one of the finest. I mean, hopefully, I mean, there's a bit of a, a an unknown because I still haven't heard it in this re, repressed state. But if it mimics the original, this will be one of the absolute benchmark vinyl pressings for recording quality and just the quality of the material on it um and i've actually given a sneak preview to it um because one of the tracks features 
on the uh, playlist that I have uh, assembled uh, following a request from, uh, from from a poster on the co- comments for the last podcast. So last night I sent Steve links to uh, the same podcast on Spotify, Tidal and Apple Music. And I will um, actually assemble the tracks as just a track list for those of you on Deezer, Amazon Music, so on and so forth. And you can... Um, have a play about with it and see what you think. Back then, when you were on about you know the goths and dressed in black and all the rest of it, and and, uh, and you were talking about a band that's in black and all that, the first thing that popped in my head, Ed, black lace. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, in a word. Um, <laughs> okay, so. can I can we get on now because you've nicked a hell of a lot of Steve's time in the movie. So he's, gonna, <laughs> he's really going to have to cut down now. He's going to have to high speed monologue. All right. Yeah, I didn't have much to say anyway. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even when you've got no not much to say, Steve, you could fill about four podcasts. Right, moving on. That, that is the hardware side of things. It's uh, movie news next because none of us have been to the cinema. So, films opening this week, Steve. Yeah, this Friday we've got Kickboxer Vengeance, obviously uh, a sequel to Kickboxer, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme, who's going through a bit of a career revival right now because um, he's starring in it. Well, he's got a pilot, at least, on Amazon called Jean-Claude Van Johnson, which apparently is supposed to be quite good and very funny. Uh, also stars um, Dave Bautista, who um, you'll probably remember from Guardians of the Galaxy, and also he played the henchman in Spectre. Um, I have not seen it yet. Uh, Sharuna has seen it. Uh, she went to a... Uh, press screening last week so the review will be up earlier than normal probably um put up middle of next week middle of this week rather sorry middle of this week um and uh she was i think a bit disappointed um which is a shame but if you're a fan of that kind of genre i'm sure you'll be uh looking forward to that we've also got deep water horizon starring mark Warburg about the mm. uh hmm? i'm saying Wu is he's he's been my part of the country this week mr Warburg. it's been all over is here he? yeah the film in the next Transformers. so um They've been all over Northumbria and, and Newcastle and stuff. With uh, they, they've been closing down whole sections of the city and stuff to film. I would love it if they had a rusty transit, that's a, <laughs> possibly with a, a a really tatty Newcastle United sticker. Jimmy now real. turns up. They can voice it with a Geordie accent. That would be, <laughs> be fantastic. Yeah. Transformers I, version of Spender. Yeah, so, so anyway, they've been all over here. Seemingly, the, the, the new film uh, is going to be uh, jumping all over the place, and they've finally come to Britain, and they've chosen to come to Northumberland. <laughs> you just know Michael Bay just stuck his finger in a map, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, it's been all over the local press and the newspapers and on their websites and stuff, and it's it's all been people who can get photographs of, of what's going on. Some, some really hilarious photographs, really. <laughs> the Geordie's just... <laughs> They're not polite or anything like that. The photograph, they'll just barge past security and take a photograph. <laughs> it seems to be filming a lot in the UK at the moment, even for stuff that isn't necessarily set in the UK, because I know that Spielberg's in Birmingham at the moment shooting Ready Player One, which is meant to be doubling for an American city, but they're shooting it in Birmingham. I guess there must be lots of uh, government tax breaks. Yeah, still I, th- I think Os- Osborne country. did that. Was it not called the Star Wars tax? Because it was to get Star yeah. Wars back, wasn't it? So, there you go. And also, I guess, with the exchange rate. Your dollar's going much further in the UK than it is anywhere else at the moment. So, yeah. And don't forget, if you've got no money at all, uh, you can uh, pretend that Milton Keynes is, in fact, you know, uh, Metropolis, uh, like they did in Superman. What was it? Superman 4. Superman 4. Yeah, it looks absolutely <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Yeah, that didn't even look... They, they, didn't, they didn't even try, did they, to make that look like Metropolis? Yeah. <laughs> um, Anyway, so Deepwater Horizon, obviously based upon the uh, disaster on the oil rig, that's uh, that's coming out, and also Miss Peregrine's Home for, for Hang on, I'll try and say it correctly, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, which is the new film from Tim Burton starring Eva Green. So, out of those, um, which ones are you going to waste on your unlimited card? None, <laughs> probably. See, see. Although I might go and see. I do fancy a bit of Tim Burton every now and then, and I quite fancy Eva Green. So maybe Miss Peregrine's home for peculiar children. There is no mystery left to Eva Green, though. I mean, no. she she got her undercarriage out in pretty much the first film she ever did. So it's you know, uh, presumably she can't in this. It's sort of it's sort of aimed. 
it's a very basically family friendly, isn't it? So she she probably has to stay stringently clothed, which will be of great disappointment to you, no doubt. See, this is the problem I've got. Um, what what is there worth going to see apart from Magnificent Seven? This month has been really poor, isn't it? October. I bet Deepwater Horizon has got some serious bars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's it's about a, an oil leg, oil oil leg, <laughs> <laughs> an oil rig exploding and leaking oil. So yes. you're going to have your explosions and that's about it. And, and you're going to have Marky Mark running around. Yeah. Plus you know the ending. Yeah. Yeah. It was about 17 billion, was it not? Yeah, it was uh, It's a significant chunk of change, you know, for destroying an ecosystem. Yeah. And I don't fancy uh, reliving the kickboxer 1980s. No. I mean, September's not been a classic month for films and fairness, which we're about to discuss. But uh, October does get better. So there is, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Okay, so we'll, we'll definitely be going to the cinema. Okay. So I've already asked the question, Steve, but I'll ask it again because you obviously missed the, the, the really neat segue in there. Uh, so the best film of the month was? Well, <laughs> you haven't been, and I've only been to one film, and that was Bridget Jones's Baby. Therefore, by default, the best <laughs> film of the month was Bridget no, Jones's we're, Baby. No, we're not saying that. We can't possibly be sending podcast people to go and see Bridget Jones. That's, that's just cru- oh, cruel. I've enjoyed it. Actually. That's just cruel punishment, Steve. Do you hate it. your listeners? <laughs> Listen, I'm on record as saying I think the first Bridget Jones film is excellent, very, very funny, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, the second is terrible. This is more like the first, um, and and it's right, quite. So funny. let's put this to a democratic vote: yes or no? Uh, is Bridget Jones our film of the month, Ed? Uh, my wife said it was all right, which is high praise for her. So <laughs> we could do a lot worse, couldn't we? You know, Hodge. Do no, just do something else. But right. Yeah, I say go with it. We can have the, the tagline, the least worst option. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the, seriously, there wasn't anything else worth going to see than Bridget Jones. Is that what we're saying? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's, what's that crime just... thriller where Chris Pine's got a moustache? Yeah, well, this is this was one I was saying to Steve. We've completely missed this one. It was Hell at High Water. Yeah. Um, Chris Pine and um, what's-his-face um, playing the police chief... Um, Jeff Bridges. Bridges. Jeff Bridges, who puts in an absolutely stellar performance according to the reviews. So we completely missed it and we haven't done any review hasn't been on the website. So I only apologise for that because that looks like an absolute cracker looking at other reviews. We did miss that one, yes. Um, like said, for not for a... some of your cinema needs. <laughs> <laughs> for the ones that Steve wants to go and see. He normally quite likes Chris Pine. I've got a lot of time for Chris Pine. You know, he's kind of the same thing in most films but you know it's quite consistently good in within that performance envelope yeah well to, i mean to be fair they've really under promoted this because i remember seeing the trailer and thinking um yeah i'm definitely going to go and see that and then i said to steve the other day because we we're looking for obviously films of the month and that kind of thing i said whatever happened to that one and he's like what film so he hadn't even seen any trailers for it no so i mean to be fair the, the the their spend on um promotion was very very small because it's coming on, basically. So we'll save that one for um, when it hits Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> and talking about Blu-ray? Uh, yes, Blu-rays. This week, uh, there's only one major release this week, uh, The Nice Guys, which is the new film from Shane Black. I'm a big fan of Shane Black. I think he makes really good movies. Even his Iron Man film, Iron Man 3, I thought was really good. I know a lot of people didn't like it. It was very divisive, but I thought it was good. But he's done some cracking stuff. You know, He's written Lethal Weapon for example. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which he also directed, was superb. He's very good at uh, at kind of interplay between characters. He's very good at uh, certainly casting good chemistry. So um, Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And in this film, the nice guys, he's got Ryan Gosling and he's got um, um, uh, Russell Crowe. And again, they have really good chemistry on screen. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's funny. It's entertaining. It's action-packed. It's got a great uh, plot. He does have some quite complicated plots that all tie together in the end, though. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, not only is it a great uh, great release this week, but it would be, along with uh, Captain America, Civil War, my Blu-ray. Oh, you're my... so predictable. No, Captain America's great. I mean, if, if, if um, DC want to learn how to make a big-budget, multi, you know, multi-character uh, comic book movie, they should go and watch Captain America Civil War and then get around to doing their Justice League film because Captain America Civil War is a textbook example of how to juggle multiple characters and retain a, a plot that is you're invested in and they, and they deliberately don't end with some big, you know, big city-destroying set piece full of alien invaders. It's, it's actually down to three characters fighting. 
That's all it is. Uh, you know, it's very personal. And I think that I think um, Captain America: Civil War is probably one of the, it, definitely one of the best comic book films ever made, and certainly the best example of of a multi character comic book film with multiple characters and plot lines and everything. Absolutely superb. So, and also it looks and sounds great. So, you know, a good reason to get it. Mr. Wright, you're a Blu-ray of the month. What? <laughs> <laughs> discs okay in, uh, in fact fine fine no the, in, uh, in the vain hope that someone might throw a free copy my way the zatoichi collection from criterion out in the states how's that okay but you haven't you haven't seen it so you're reviewing something you haven't seen well it's not likely to have changed is it okay hodge your disc of the month my disc of the month, uh, as i've just watched it it's not exactly topical but i watched deadpool uh, last weekend and that was great so if you haven't picked it up yet, go and get it. It's fantastic. Uh, I still haven't picked it up yet. Uh, Mr. Sally? I haven't bought one this month. I did, uh, as I showed Phil last night, I did buy uh, Hello Nasty by the Beastie Boys on uh, Double LP, which is a cracker. It's yeah, really it just fun. looks strange on that, that contraption of yours with the two tone arms. It should be sitting on a nice SL1200 or a 1210. Well, you know, you, be that that's, as it That's may. where the Beastie Boys come from, you know. That, That's where the that, bricks come that from. That contraption, as you refer to it, is the turntable I use. So, you know. <laughs> Why is it two tone arms? Well, so I can have a moving magnet cartridge and a moving coil cartridge oh. at the same time without having to change them over. <laughs> Something. <laughs> and it looks <laughs> good fun as well. I never set out to own it. It just turned up for review and it's like, actually, this is really, really useful. So I made an offer and it was accepted. There you are. Okay, well, I'm going to go to Hodge because I know um, he's burning hot on this subject. Um, Ultra <coughs> HD Blu-ray Roundup, Mark. <laughs> a Roundup? Uh, right, well, as, as I said, I watched Deadpool last week. And that was an Ultra <laughs> HD Blu-ray. And other than that, I'm So it wasn't even a Blu-ray, it was an Ultra HD Blu-ray. So, oh, yeah. so, so you've done it in the wrong category. Well, but then I ripped the Blu-ray to my mouth. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it, it does come with the standard Blu-ray as well. Right, so your best Blu-ray of the month was a rip. And your best Ultra yep. HD Blu-ray was the same thing, but the Ultra HD version. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Steve. <laughs> News-wise, I haven't actually have a confirmed date for for Star Trek Beyond, um, which is the first of November. That is coming out on the first of November. Now the previous uh, release date was a rumor rather than confirmed. This is confirmed by Paramount. First of November in the states, at least. Um, Star Trek Beyond, which I'm looking forward to because I thought it was a great film. In terms of Ultra HD Blu-rays. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed Now You See Me Too, which I saw at the cinema as well, uh, and uh, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a fun film, if you like that kind of thing, and I did enjoy the original as well, so uh, that would be my choice. There hasn't been a, there's a lot of stuff coming out, but it's all coming out sort of th- this week, uh, so you've got things like The Shallows hitting this week in the States, and there's um, Warcraft coming out, and uh, we've got... Uh, so, so my disc of the month's actually gone in November, that's no good. That was the one thing I was looking forward to reviewing. <laughs> well, you still got the first two. Well, those are those are my discs of the month because they are absolutely brilliant with Atmos sound, and I've only watched them on the projector so far. So, uh, yet test them on the TV for HDR and that kind of thing. But um, yeah, a massive soundtrack. What more do you want? Especially in the Star Trek film. The only annoying thing I, I, I don't know about you, Phil, but I did find the uh, uh, well, you can fix it with some masking. Obviously, is uh, is the multiple aspect ratios on um, Into Darkness, which is just plain annoying. Yeah. So our uh, best Ultra HD Blu-rays of the month were Mr. Botwright. What? <laughs> Mr. Hodge. Uh, what? Deadpool. And Lego Movie. I watched that as well. Oh, so Lego, I'm, Lego I'm Movie. Up so. my, my, my is, Dead, right. is Deadpool your vinyl release of the month as well? Yeah, yeah it's my game of the month. <laughs> and it's my playlist of the month. The point is going to Mr. Sally because he'll just want to talk about records again. I don't even have a 4K television. I, therefore, <laughs> amazingly enough, I've bought no Ultra HD Blu-rays. Wimp. Yeah, I know. Uh, so what are we saying, Steve? What is the one that everybody should go and buy? Oh, well, um, I mean, for this month, as I said, now you see me too, I think it's worth looking, checking out. Um, but you're right. I mean, in this country, the UK releases, they released at the beginning of the month, Star Trek and Star Trek Into Darkness. And I certainly think both of those are worthy of p- for picking up, not just because they're Ultra HD Blu-ray, but also because they both come with Dolby Atmos soundtracks. So now, think- apart, apart from Dolby Atmos, Steve, you can stream both of these on most services, most people are, are probably going to have them on Blu-rays if they're if they're fans of sci-fi, which is the vast majority of AV forums members are sci-fi fans. So already going to have the Blu-rays. Um, so twenty-five quid a piece. So that's fifty quid for both these films. Is that a good investment? 
Hmm. Well, it's all relative, isn't it? If you're a fan of the film and you want the Dolby Atmos soundtrack and you want HDR and wider colour I'm, I'm asking, I'm asking the wrong person here, I really am. <laughs> Steve would buy anything that's on <laughs> yeah. yeah, you really are the wrong person. <laughs> yes, it's a wise investment. Because <laughs> it'll save the format. <laughs> it's pointless asking Ed, because Ed, he'd say, he'll say no, but he, he could spend 50 quid, no problem, on some vinyl. Uh, Hodge. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. I'm feeling positive. Right. Okay. So yes, there you go. On on Hodge's uh, uh, advice, there go and blow fifty quid on the uh, ultra HD versions of the films that you've probably already got on Blu-ray and can stream on most services. Why not? You only live once. There you go. Uh, right. Moving on. Um, the Emmys uh, that was on last week, Steve. Um, I have yep. watched the Jimmy uh, is it Jimmy Kimmel. I keep getting the two mixed up. The two Jimmys. I saw his uh, his intro piece, which was quite amusing, and his monologue, which, again, quite amusing. Um, but I didn't watch any of them, so I haven't got a clue who won what. Well, I mean, it was the usual mixture of stuff, but uh, the big headline news was that Game of Thrones is now the most successful TV series ever in terms of total Emmy wins, uh, beating out Frasier, which was the previous record holder. Um, I don't think that's any surprise, but also it picked up like you know, Best Director and Best Drama Series, um, I think best ensemble cast as well. So it did um, it done particularly well, but I think everyone expected that really. I mean, it is a quality show, not just in terms of its writing, its performances, but its production as well. Um, there was pick up, there was some awards being picked up for other stuff. I mean, one of the shows that did particularly well, and it is something I watched and really, really enjoyed, much to my surprise, given that I had, you know, I knew how it ended, um, was the People versus OJ Simpson, which I've got to say, if you haven't seen it, uh, is superb and really does go into stuff, even though I remember the case at the time in 95. Um, there's lots of stuff going on behind the scenes I didn't know about. And um, I, you come to the conclusion at the end of it, yeah, he was as guilty as sin. But uh, um, it's a really, really good show. It great was, performances. It was a ve- very, very clever. Their, his defence team were really, really oh, clever. Oh, absolutely. The really, really clever. If the glove don't fit, you must acquit. You know, coming uh, up with stuff I mean, like that sticks in the jury's mind. You know what I mean? Very, very clever. Also, the way they played the race card and the way they, they picked the jury and the way they, they got the, the actual trial moved to a predominantly black area. Uh, and there was a clear racial divide between white people who thought he did it and black people who just said, no, he didn't do it. Um, even though the evidence that he did do it was pretty convincing. Uh, it was a Yeah, but you would say that. You're white. <laughs> uh, I mean, <laughs> it was also a botched perse- um, persecution, prosecution um, in many respects too. Uh, and, but they also... Cleverly, uh, one of the key office, police officers you know, was a raving racist and they absolutely nailed him. And that really f- destroyed the case, I think, to a certain extent. Uh, but yeah, if you haven't seen it, I, I, I really recommend it. It was absolutely... Now, now uh, that we've given all the best thing. bits away. <laughs> Completely ruined. <laughs> well, OJ got off. <laughs> <laughs> well, they got him in the end, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, he's in prison at the moment, isn't he? He is in prison now. Yeah, yeah, but that was of his own, own doing, that. He, yeah. he yeah. Assault, assaulted somebody in Vegas, <laughs> yeah. didn't he? <laughs> Mr. Robot won, Phil, uh, the actor. Yes, did, did? yes all Mr. right. Well, yeah. Rami Malek. Hmm? Rami Malek, yeah, he's, he's very, very, very good in the part, although I don't know him in real life, so I don't know how much of that is acting, but, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe schizo in real life, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so it's been a good... Uh, uh, I think it was a good Emmys in terms of uh, a lot of the shows that we've been watching and enjoying have uh, all picked up uh, awards. But as I say, the headline was um, Game of Thrones is now the record winner for most, most and, Emmys And do ever. you know what? Yeah, I've still got the discs there and haven't even started them yet. Oh, come on, Phil. It's no excuse. That's, uh, what are we on? Seven series now? So that's seven series I've got to catch up on. How many episodes per series? Ten. Ten. Easy. Ten per... Ten per so, yeah. Probably fifth, about 50 odd minutes, aren't they? Right, so if, so if we say an hour per episode, so um, come on, Steve, you're the ex-banker. I had all that up. How much of my life do I have to give away? How much do you want to sleep? <laughs> oh, I need a good eight hours these days. If you're going to get through 50 hours of TV, 10 hours a day, fine. You can do it in a week. You can have a week off. Just get up in the morning, have some breakfast and start piling. Do a se- you can do a season a day for five days. There you go. Job done. <laughs> do you know what? The only okay. thing is, you know, although that sounds crazy, um, you would thoroughly enjoy it because it is compelling television and, and it is really, really good. And you will find yourself watching episode after episode after episode and not being able to stop. Once you get into it, Phil, it'll be like heroin. Maybe that's why I'm putting it off and putting it off. I didn't see it for three series. I did the three series as a binge and I did two episodes a night. I was, it's very uh, compulsive. Very, very. So I'd really be better just going on heroin. I don't know. Well, you know, it's they both expensive. have lifestyle, you know, lifestyle connotations. 
I think we've established that heroin's probably cheaper than ultra HD Blu-ray addiction. Certainly <laughs> 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 in my case. <laughs> Well, hopefully today I'll have um, Labyrinth and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arriving. So there you go. Living the dream. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, they're really are launching, launching this format with some cracking yeah, titles. All the A-list titles. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, with is you're buying them. You are encouraging them to keep up with doing this. It's all your fault. Yeah, it, it, always, it always happens when new format launches. You get all the crud coming out because it's stuff that they want to try and move and try and make some money on. Um, I'm surprised we haven't had... Uh, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, yeah, you know the old. Uh, what tr- tr- uh, Theodore Rex? Theodore Rex. It now would be the for a matter of time. Can we do a charity appeal for Steve? I want to see a charity drive for just twenty-five pounds a week. We can keep Steve in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Ultra HD Blu-ray discs for life. <laughs> just yeah, this don't say that to just help. own every single four K Blu-ray. Set out to own every single copy. <laughs> I tell you what, you would not want to see Whoopi Goldberg in that skin-tight outfit in Theodore Rex. In high <laughs> yeah, high hey. right. <laughs> I bet that dinosaur costume looks mint as well. <laughs> right, uh, Westworld, it starts on Sky Atlantic next week, so this is the next big TV series, or is it? I hope so. Yeah. I'm fizzing at the bung. <laughs> what? It looked bloody good in the trailer, I have to say. Look- what the hell does that mean, Ed? I don't know. It's something we used to use years ago at another company I worked for. But I am really excited about it. it yeah, I, I, I really, I, I, Westworld is one of those films. I don't watch it particularly often, but I genuinely think is is a really, really cool idea. And I'm just looking forward. So good idea Ed, that he used it twice because it's basically Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park yes. <laughs> I'm hoping that they don't lose. So you know, obviously the fir- the first film they did you know use some clever effects, but obviously there were limits to what you could do with a relatively limited budget and 1973. I'm hoping that they don't go overboard in terms of uh, effects and tricks and so on and so forth. They just keep the faintly unsettling nature of the original, and I'm j- I've got very high hopes for it. I I hope it's really really good. I've I- ironically I won't be able to watch it live on Tuesday night. I'm I'm busy reloading. Uh, driving down to Hampshire, but I've got it all plumbed in and I'm really looking forward to it. Do you know, you know what it reminded me of when I watched the trailer? Battlestar Galactica. Skin jobs. You know, the robots being so human-like and all the rest. That, that's that's what it reminded me of. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it just reminded me of Battlestar Galactica, but they, yeah, you know, how the robots are just so human-like. I hope they do avoid, though, falling into the trap of the whole earnest who is the real monster kind yeah. of vibe, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. where they make the, the robots that so, so real you know they've got emotions and that kind of thing and it, I, I like kind of robots to stay a bit robotic yes i i but they, they did that in the original so hopefully they won't won't do anything silly in that regard good um it's got a great cast i mean you know anthony hopkins it's always good value I think, I think ed harris is a great choice for playing the gunslinger um and if, correct me if i'm wrong but i do think that your brenner's uh, original gunslinger in, in the original Westworld was uh, was a kind of forerunner for the Terminator in that kind of relentless killing android, you know, killing machine that won't stop no matter what. Um, I'm looking for, I'm really looking forward to this. I'm I'm, I'm jazzed up for it. It's got a great uh, uh, team behind the camera too. Uh, Jonathan Nolan, brother of Christopher Nolan, um, is show running it, and J.J. Abrams is producing it or executive producing it. So, um, and of course, HBO production values are going to be great. So, can't wait. Where the hell does J.J. get the team? Yeah, but hang on a second. When they say executive producer, don't they waltz in, have a cup of coffee, go, "I approve of this," and then bugger off? There's <laughs> From, not actually a huge amount of production. The, it, it would have it would have to be that, you know, because yeah. he's, he's co-producing on so many things at the minute, or from the mind of, or he was involved they, in person of interest. But as oh, I yeah. understand it, he just went in and went, "Yeah, it looks really good." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah that in person's money. interesting. Wasn't that Jonathan Nolan as well, person of interest? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. I, love, I, I mean, think I'd JJ's turned into like mid '80s Spielberg, who basically seemed to be involved in everything, wasn't he? He was not only was executive producing more films than you could shake a stick at back then. So, but his name's become a kind of seal of quality for a certain type of film now, hasn't it? So, therefore, if you were in that genre, if you were making anything sci-fi related, you'd pay him the money just to be able to pop his name on the trailer. Yeah, but look at Spielberg now. Eh? Look, at, reduced to making films in Birmingham. <laughs> You think maybe he thought it was in Birmingham, Alabama? What's going on here? I can't understand a word anyone's saying. 
And on that bombshell, uh, that's all we've got time for on the podcast this week. My thanks to Steve Withers. Get this boy a bib. No, no, you've got to do it in a brummy accent. I can't do brummy accent. Don't, don't encourage him. Yeah, just leave it. That's the worst <laughs> accent in the world. Sorry to anyone listening from Birmingham. But just... <laughs> Sorry for massively insulting you, but it is. Actually, no, Wolverhampton. My apologies. Wolverhampton, if you come from there yet, yeah, sorry. I, I want to communicate with you by text message. <laughs> Mark Hodgkinson. Draw. What? Draw. <laughs> I'm the gunslinger. That's it. Ed Sally. Boy, have we got a vacation for you. And Mark Butright. I just feel marvellous. Uh, don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, bookmark AV forums for the latest reviews, news and video. And of course, why not leave us those five-star ratings on iTunes, uh, but only if you enjoyed the show. I'm Phil Hinton. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Yeah.